Welcome everyone to this week's edition of uh, the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup Group. Uh, excited to see so many familiar faces uh, coming back to the group and re-engaging. Uh, we're really trying to become the go-to resource for all things commercial real estate. And it's pretty cool to see people tuning in from all across the country, uh, on the East Coast, West Coast, really the middle of the country. And so hopefully this is a great resource to you guys. And uh, without further ado, I really just wanted to introduce our speaker for today, uh, Brad. Uh, Neil will be joining us hopefully shortly as well. Uh, they're with Home Team uh, Property Inspection Services here located in Louisville, Kentucky. And the, the topic of today's discussion is going to be uh, commercial real estate inspections. Uh, so welcome, Brad. And uh, yeah, we're excited to have you. Hey, thanks. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to everybody, share a little bit of our passion about inspections. I mean, everybody's very favorite topic, I'm, I'm sure. Although the number of people tuning in, it looks like it's maybe a topic that is a little bit misunderstood in the commercial space. Yeah, I know for sure. And, and that's, that's why I thought it was such an important discussion topic for us to have. And so we're really excited for you to join us yeah. today. But really what we like to do when we first get started with these discussions is to learn a little bit more about the person who's speaking. So if you could share a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe what got you interested in, in inspections. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So I, uh, I, I do live in Louisville, Kentucky. I've uh, been here since uh, 1999. So it seems like it's uh, it was just yesterday we moved here. But I spent uh, 23 years of my life uh, working for Penske Truck Leasing and never uh, imagined a day where I would get into the inspection business. That was not anything that uh, was on any plan, uh, any glide path that I was following. But we uh, got involved. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Brian O'Rear, started Home Team uh, here in the Louisville area back in 2009. So we're coming up on our uh, on our 12th year. But Brian uh, convinced me to purchase the company from him when I retired from Penske. So uh, I purchased the company in 2017. Uh, we have completed 18,000 um, inspections uh, during our 11 and a half years. Uh, we are the largest uh, real estate inspection company in the Kentuckiana area, recognizing we're talking to folks uh, across the country. That's primarily the area around Louisville in um, Kentucky and in Southern Indiana. Um, of those 18,000 inspections, about 1,600 of them have been commercial um, inspections. Everything from you know the the, the multifamily uh, homes, uh, retail, office spaces, industrial spaces, uh, and we'll I know we're going to get into more of those details. But uh, we really would love um, to educate folks. That's really what Home Team is all about. We want to just make sure that. Uh, we are doing everything we can to serve the real estate community with education, uh, which is why we wanted to, uh, you know, take this opportunity with you, Raphael. Thank you for the, the invitation, and uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation. No, for sure. No, I, I think it's like I said, it's extremely important, and I've worked with you guys in the past on commercial inspections as well, so I can definitely attest to your guys' knowledge of the industry. But as far as uh, understanding what commercial inspections are, so could you tell us? Number one, what is a commercial inspection and how does it differ, let's say, from like a residential inspection? So that is a great question. And I think that is a, that's the perfect starting point because it is a little bit of a misunderstanding of, of what the differences are. I will say that in some cases, 
a commercial inspection is going to follow those residential guidelines. It's not uncommon, uh, particularly in multifamily properties, for us to use what would be the ASHI or InterNACHI standards of practice. They are similar to what we do more in the, what you would know as the a commercial, true commercial inspection or a property condition assessment, PCA, or you may also know it as a PCR, um, varying terms throughout the country. But the differences are that on a residential inspection or those inspections that follow the ASHI or InterNACHI guidelines, and again, I'm talking specifically in states like Indiana and Kentucky that require licenses. Not all states do. Some states, you can be any anybody you want to be out there. But for Indiana and Kentucky that follow licensed guidelines, uh, a home inspector or the real estate property inspector is not allowed to quote any sort of follow-up work, any sort of cost estimates. So the standards of practice forbid us from doing any work on those properties for the first year after the inspection, which precludes us from giving any sort of estimates as to costs. On the, if we follow the PCA, which is the ASTME guidelines, under a PCA, uh, the project manager, the inspector team, the consultant, whatever you want to call them, they can provide uh, maintenance cost estimates um, using uh, any any sources of information that's available. So on a on a PCA that we would do, we would be able to help provide maintenance cost estimates using a source called RS means costing data is what we use. I'm sure there's other um, industry standards out there, but RS means costing data is the uh, is the primary source of information that we use. So they're going to look very similar. Uh, they're non-invasive. We don't take anything apart in a PCA you're even uh, removing fewer panels than you would in, during a, uh, an ASHI or InterNACHI inspection. Uh, the PCA will often get uh, involved uh, with other experts, subject matter experts. Maybe a structural engineer will be part of the project team. You may have an elevator that's part of the process. You may have fire protection uh, that is that is part of the process. So other uh, subject matter experts will get involved. Um, we probably within the, the 1,600 or so commercial inspections that we've done, we've probably done a few dozen that have required outside experts. And that's because I have made the choice as the business owner to limit my commercial inspections to properties that are three stories and lower because I need to be able to get on the roof with my own equipment. And I do not do anything that has a parking deck with it. So those, those are business decisions that are made. Um, some engineering firms, uh, you know, that specialize in those type of services, that's where they would come in. Um, we do use structural engineers for some of the foundation work that we do on commercial properties, but it's, it's, not, it's not the norm uh, for, you know, for smaller buildings. So the run-of-the-mill investment properties that we're dealing with, you know, the team that I have on staff uh, is usually enough to get the work done um, and we'll pull in you know a, an expert if needed the i think the one thing that i would say too is that commercial inspections look much like 
residential inspections did in the late 90s. You know, they were just kind of starting to pick up steam. They were just starting to become a little bit more of a normal practice. You know, today, you know, if I talk to a, uh, you know, commercial real estate broker, chances are when they purchase a property, they'll get, you know, four, five, six contractors out there that'll come do their quote free inspections. Uh, and really all it is, is just six salespeople showing up, you know, wanting to sell something. So the difference with the commercial inspector is that we are a disinterested third party. So for us, it's easier to just say, hey, here's what the defects are. We're not selling anything. We're not going to make any money beyond just the cost of doing the inspection. So we don't have an interest in finding things that have to be replaced, you know, HVAC, electrical, roofs are roofs are always the big one so it's just really who do you want in your team you know it may work great if you want to coordinate with six different people to go out there but i think the the, the brokers that we work with that understand you know where a commercial inspector uh, can help they see that it's a much simpler process you know because it's they basically have one point of contact who brings in the the subject matter experts if needed, and they just simply get one report that they can then use with their uh, clients and investors. For sure. And, and I think that what you said that's important is the disinterested third party, uh, because like you said, I mean, I've dealt with other people and not to say it's a bad thing, but mm -hmm. you know, when you have other people coming on site for the different components of a property, right. there, there runs the risk of you know them saying, okay, well, this needs to be replaced when in reality it may or may not need to be. So it's one of those things where I've, I've experienced in my own practice yeah. as well. But so you did mention it briefly, but I kind of wanted to ask, do inspectors require a license to inspect commercial buildings? So in Kentucky and Indiana, if we're going in as a quote unquote inspector, we would have to have a license. Now the license in uh, for element for either of those two states, a professional engineer would also be the license that you could have. So professional engineers can do those commercial inspections. Uh, licensed home inspectors would also be able to do that if they do the commercial component of the business. If if we're doing it under a under the uh, PCA, yes. Awesome, that makes sense. Great. So what I kind of wanted to do now is to dive into some of the different components of of properties, essentially. So if sure. if you could tell us a little bit about some of the common due diligence items you review when reviewing multifamily properties. Uh, okay. I think that would be helpful. And then we'll dive through some of the, all, all the different commercial properties, because I'm sure, as you know, there's different things you need to take in consideration as you're yeah. reviewing them. So, so multi multifamily buildings are the most complicated of all the inspections that we do because a multifamily almost always looks like a home inspection. It's going to follow the same standards. Um, it depends on the size of the, the community, the size of the, of the investment property though. Oftentimes, if we're if we were working with investors who are buying, say, 120-unit apartment complexes, what we may do is we may do a sample of the units versus inspecting every single unit. Uh, you know, oftentimes we'll work alongside property managers who are who um, are going in and looking at what type of upgrades are needed. You know, apartment by apartment, they'll go through their with their their electronic checklist and say, "Yep, this one needs a dishwasher. Yep, this one needs a." Uh, 
um, new carpet, yep, new countertops. For the inspector, we're gonna be looking at the foundations. We're gonna be looking at the roofs. We're gonna be looking at the electrical distribution panels. We're gonna be looking at any of the, the basement or the substructures, the crawl spaces. Uh, you know, we've, we've, you know, with apartment complexes, you know, you may have a slab, you may have a crawl space, you may have a, have a basement all sitting side by side, depending on the special uses. We're gonna look at all of those common areas. Uh, so the laundry rooms, the storage areas, that we'll, we'll do a, a deeper dive into all of those in the multifamily. So it, the, the, the nice thing about the multifamily is the investor can choose how deep of information they want. Oftentimes we, you know, an investor will say to us, hey, Brad, hey, Neil, all I want you to do is check the structure, check the electrical HVAC and the roof. And, and we're able to do that. Um, we don't need to go in and 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 look at whether or not you know uh, tub faucets are are dripping. You know that's going to be outside of the scope of those type of inspections. But individual investors have a different appetite for the information that they want. Some of them are are cash strapped going into these investments, so they really want a great idea of how much maintenance they're really going to have to you know, spend going into these properties. Others just say, look, I'm buying a portfolio of it. I just need, you know, a rough cost. Give me a, 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 a just a, you know, high level view of that apartment complex and we'll go from there. You know, if you're looking at a fourplex, um, it's, you know, a, a, a fourplex again, is just gonna be, you know, like a house. Um, it's, it's, you know, really once you start getting into, you know, the eight plexes is really where we probably start using a little bit more of the, you know, the true uh, PCA type of, of, um, of review. For sure. No. And, and, and are there any items that are typically overlooked, especially for those who maybe aren't, you know, using someone like you to help them identify yeah, the issues? The things that we see the most in, in multifamily is we see problems with roofs, gutters, um, electrical. Uh, we don't see as many problems with uh, tenant-made um, repairs. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more in the industrial space, which looks looks very different. But um, it's the the problems that we see in the multifamily are going to be you know very similar to you know the the smaller problems. It's really the age of the equipment. How old are the you know the compressors? You know how old is the roof? How many water leaks are you dealing with? You know is there evidence of termite damage? Uh, you know in these in these wooden structures, we you know that's an often overlooked area. I'm surprised that how few investors actually will get a, a termite inspection. Um, some will go beyond, you know, we, we've had some that will do radon testing, which, okay, you know, it's, it, it makes sense if you, you know, if you're going to be dealing directly with the, with the tenants, but those are more owners that have just one property that may even, you know, live on site, you know, with their, with their tenants and, you know, want to be able to treat it more like family and want to know the conditions they're going to be living in. But that's, probably less common than us working directly with just investors. No, that makes complete sense. And Neil was able to join us today. So, hey, Neil. Neil is also with Home Team, and he's uh, he's kind of on the team as well. So, hey, Neil. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Sorry about the technical difficulties. No worries at all, no. So you came in just in time. So we're actually now going to dive into another property type within the commercial space, which is uh, office space.
Mm-hmm. So could you kind of talk to us a little bit about office space and potentially, you know, what, what are some of the due diligence items that you need to review as you're looking to buy maybe an office building? So the office buildings, uh, depending on, on how they're set up, okay, if it's, if it's office um, condos, you know, we, we do quite a few of those. Those are, you know, those are going to be another straightforward kind of review like a, uh, like a multifamily. You know, those are, those are, those are, are going to fall under those same categories. If you're looking at a building, an, an office building with an elevator, an office building with, with fire protection equipment is really the next level up. So in those buildings, you really are going to use a PCA. Those, you're going to bring in an elevator specialist. You're going to bring in your fire protection uh, folks. And in what we find typically in the, in the office buildings is that a lot of the problems there tend to be indoor air quality, believe it or not. We get more questions about what is the quality of the air. That's when we get into doing a lot more of the environmental testing that we do, the mold testing, you know, TVOC testing. Uh, we do get questions about, you know, lead-based paint uh, in some of the older, in the older buildings. Um, but anytime you're putting a lot of people into those spaces, you know, there's going to be questions about plumbing. There's going to be questions about the adequacy of the water flow. We get more, you know, um, concerns about, you know, uh, the size of, of boilers and, and uh, you know, other, you know, water heaters, you know, the distribution of them throughout the building. But again, the, you know, the single most common question that we have in office buildings is, how does the roof look? You know, where are the water leaks? Um, you know, how adequate is the lighting? How much service do we have? Uh, we've had buildings that didn't have enough um, electrical service coming into the building to, to meet the modern, you know, electrical needs of the, of the tenants. Uh, we've had some of those, uh, those questions that have come up. And, and when you're talking about, you know, load type of inspections, we'll just get, you know, the electricians involved, you know, in doing those calculations so that the, the investor knows, you know, kind of what upgrades might be needed to may, maybe modernize that building if it's part of an investment for them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then I've seen, I've, I've helped several people with office buildings before and whenever there's an elevator involved, that's another one that that people tend to look for because it can be quite an expensive repair if something were to go wrong with it. So. Yeah. And the other thing too, I would note many of the office buildings parking, uh, the parking uh, lots become a, a bigger concern for them. Kind of like in the retail space, you know, how much money are we going to spend on asphalt repairs? You know, is it time to completely resurface? You know, is there concrete aprons that need to be installed to replace, you know, uh, asphalt in high traffic areas? Those kind of become a common question with office buildings with bigger parking areas. No, for sure. Yeah, I know. Because they're, they're, they're typically office needs, depending on the office user, is going to require a certain amount of parking too. So, that also comes into the due diligence time frame, so that's awesome. Right, right. All right. So one next up is on the list is retail. So yeah. uh, this is something that I do a lot of. So uh, I've I've dealt with people in shopping centers and you know standalone retail buildings, and yeah. those they're very unique uh, specifications uh, that that or or due diligence items that people need to consider. So could you kind of walk through a few? 
Yeah, uh, Neil, I'm let you jump in here. Uh, Neil has spent a lot of time on the roof of Dollar General buildings. He he, for whatever reason, we have a lot of uh, folks who buy Dollar General buildings who <laughs> who uh, hire us to do those inspections. And Neil loves climbing up over those uh, those parapet walls to uh, to access the roof. But Neil, why don't you jump in there? They're probably tired of hearing from me. Why don't you talk a little bit about you know kind of retail space and what the inspections look like there or common issues that we're dealing with. Yeah, com common issues. Honestly, the, the things that I've seen with that are uh, modifications to the roof, putting stuff on the roof that is actually having an effect on whatever the roof covering is itself. So, you know, I've seen you know, antennas for TV that they put up there with blocks that have actually damaged the the uh, rolled roofing material or uh, damaged even the metal roofing material, those kinds of things. Uh, modifications, those kinds of buildings or retail spaces, those are the most common ones that I've seen that have user modifications to the electric panel. So there'll be amateur wiring inside the electric panel. There will be, you know, double taps and common things that we would see maybe in a home where a homeowner is upgrading stuff and doesn't really doesn't really understand exactly what the uh, implications are of what they're doing to that kind of stuff. Uh, other than that, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of open space. So we're looking at, you know, floor structure, whether and most of those are typically slab type. So we're just looking at the, the slab structure and then the exterior structure. Occasionally on some of the older buildings, we'll see stuff like there's a gas service um, or electric service that's in or near the parking area where there's really no, uh, no impact protection for um, vehicles, maybe damaging a, a gas meter at, the, at that point. So those are things that we look for as well maybe not as frequently on the newer buildings but sometimes on older oh for sure no definitely and and i i'll, I'll say just a few from from the, the deals that i've done in the past uh like you said related to things on the roof where you know uh some sort of either hvac technician or something has come on site and they haven't properly sealed uh when, when they when they put in some sort of, of machine or whatever they don't properly seal around that and it causes issues as far as leaking is concerned. And, you know, in, in, in a grocery environment, I think you guys helped us with one uh, it, over here re nearby us. And, you know, the, they were having some issues as far as the, the fr refrigeration uh, where there was leaking involved because the compressor, uh, yeah, there were there were various issues that, that were involved as a result of the refrigeration that was that was happening on site for this particular grocery use. So, again, depending on the retail tenant, uh, there could be different issues that arise as a result. Um, and I'm sure you guys have seen in various capacities. Could you talk a little bit about maybe restaurants? Because that's another one that's super common, uh, especially now that things are starting to pick back up in the economy. I'm, I'm getting a lot of calls from people who are looking to open a restaurant or expand different locations, et cetera. You know, the interesting right. thing that was, oh, go say, ahead. let me, go let me jump in on this one. The interesting thing about restaurants and it, it, it goes a little bit into the industrial space too, is that users don't necessarily, you know, care about what's currently there, which is really what the inspector is reporting on. So when you think about it, we're reporting on the structure, the building itself, not the things that are inside of it. So the, the common questions for us are what walls, you know, look like they're load bearing walls, you know, which walls can be moved and and do the modifications that are made, particularly in bathrooms, that's the area that nobody wants to, you know, replace, you know, are, are they adequate? And then the rest of it just becomes the shell. So the, we've had some concerns, uh, again, about, um, what type of, uh, how do I say this politely, how 
poorly maintained the buildings have been um, in the past because a lot of it is deferred maintenance. Restaurants seem to be, uh, and I don't know if it's because of the margins that they're dealing with, but they seem to be properties that typically are not particularly well maintained. So a lot of it is we're reporting on deferred maintenance on the current systems, but we're not really gonna be able to tell you whether or not you know, the, the ventilation is going to work if you're moving from a, you know, from, from gas to, you know, charcoal, you know, with your, when you're cooking your steaks. The other thing that we would be looking at in a restaurant is you would be looking at the, uh, the grease traps. So that would be an additional thing. And so many of those times we would be pulling in an, uh, an environmental engineer just to check the adequacy and the condition of those, those grease traps as part of a restaurant transition. Awesome. Thanks guys. All right. So finally, one, one of the things we want to talk about was industrial properties. And this is something that obviously industrial has been blowing up all across yeah. the nation. It's very much uh, an active environment here in Louisville. And I'm, I'm confident in other parts of the country, that's the same as well. So what are some of the due diligence items involved with inspecting industrial properties? And, and yeah. Yeah. So the industrial properties are probably the most straightforward of any of them that we do just because they tend to be an office with a box behind it. What the, the biggest question for the industrial though is who are we representing? Because we represent, um, we represent tenants oftentimes. You know, if a tenant's moving into a triple net lease, they're looking at this industrial property going, okay, I'm picking up all the maintenance costs on this. What's the condition of the building? So we may not even be working for the building owner on that one. Um, we've had a, a few instances where we have uh, come in and done inspections on, on a on a tenant move out, you know, because there's a there's a disagreement between you know what the condition of the building was, you know, when they when they got it versus what it is when they left. So that's an area that we get involved in um, beyond just a normal you know a, a type of um, you know purchase transaction. We don't we don't represent uh, we don't inspect uh, too many buildings that are going onto the market, but we will inspect buildings that the buyer is is pulling us in to do. But tenant uh, tenant representation is is something that's a little bit common uh, in the industrial space because really you know you're looking at you know here just you know what is the condition of the of the structure itself? What's you know again we can't necessarily tell you what the adequacy of the electrical service is. But as Neil alluded to, um, a lot of times when we go into these industrial buildings, previous tenants have made um, modifications to the building that were never uh, approved by anybody. There's no, there's no, you know, permit that was ever pulled. Work was done. It may be, you know, heaters that we've seen, you know, put into, you know, warehouse spaces or workspaces that were never intended to be, you know, kind of heated and cooled. Uh, electrical systems that I don't know, you know, which handyman went in and 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 modified services. But for the inspector, some the, the thing we have to understand is that we can only tell you what's currently there. So the inspection itself can't say, you know, it will be adequate for, you know, this type of equipment to go in there. We can work with you and tell you, hey, here's what service you've got coming in. Here's the additional issues that we see with the electrical service. But like Neil mentioned on the, uh, on the retail, typically they are just big, empty you know, spaces, 
And so we're really looking at, you know, again, the roof is a big thing. Um, oftentimes in those industrial buildings, we may be doing a little bit of a different type of inspection on a roof. Uh, oftentimes because of the large space of the roof, we are doing, you know, we're even using infrared to, to scan uh, for pockets of, of water that is actually underneath the uh, membranes. Um, those large, uh, roof spaces tend to have a little bit more work that's required to inspect them but other than that it's uh it's it's a pretty straightforward process uh, just you know previous tenant modifications are the biggest uh the biggest problem we see neil anything else that you you've seen i know again parking lots you know lo loading docks you know these things garage doors you know um it, you know if we're looking at a uh, say a truck terminal um, you know, there's a lot of reports on those, but anything else, Neil, I'm missing out? No, no, you, you actually just hit it right there. I was just going to talk about the loading doors and docks and those kinds of things. And, um, you know, it, the typically the large roof structures like you're talking about, most of these have a flat roof with some kind of rolled roofing material. It really is a good idea to use the infrared systems to check those out because, you know, leaks that materialize inside can be many, many feet away from where the actual leak is. So trying to pinpoint that is much, much easier with the infrared device. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and obviously, like you said, uh, the, the electrical capacity of the building is going to be unique to each tenant, right? Because if you're a logistics right. company, you may not need a significant amount uh, right. of, of voltage. Uh, but then again, if you're manufacturing and you have heavy machinery, diesel machinery, that obviously comes into play. So that's something that you at least could tell them what, what type of, you know, yeah, yeah, we we can we get right. Absolutely. We can tell them the service, you know, what the service is that's currently in the building. It may be that they have to pull additional uh, service uh, to it, but we can we can report on what what's there, what we see. Oh, for sure, yeah, and 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 pulling service, especially you know, let's say three phase service. We had a client one time that was looking to do that, and we approached the owner to do the 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 actual pulling of it, and it was quite expensive. So it's. Yeah. It's something it that you need need to consider uh, prior to actually pulling the trigger on something like that. All right. So last up, one of the things I wanted to say before we open it up to questions, and we'll, we'll go ahead and do that uh, right after this, is uh, what are some of the best resources for those who are interested in learning more about the commercial inspection process? Uh, if you could share a few that you've, you've had in the past. I I would say Neil and I both went through CDW engineering training for our, our commercial inspection training. That's 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 who we you know we went and did the advanced training with them. We went up to Chicago for it. But CDW engineering, Carson Dunlop Wells engineering is a great one-stop source for everything having to do with the with commercial inspections you know what the expectations are you know learning more about it learning more about what consultants do in the uh, in the commercial space they uh, they'll do I, I I believe the last number I heard is they're they're doing over 500 commercial inspections um, in the U.S. and they do very large properties. They'll do airports, you know. The, the, so you know, think about an airport as as one inspection. So they'll do 500 large properties um, a year. They have significant resources and just they they have a great website. Just you know, that would be kind of one stop shopping uh, for commercial inspection information. Okay. There's there's other sources, Raphael. Um, you know, AHIT has their own source. Internachi has theirs, but they're not nearly as uh, as robust as what you see on the CDW engineering site. Awesome. That's, that's great advice. And we'll go ahead and include that in the description as well uh, mm -hmm. below uh, 
All right. So what we'll go ahead and do now is I'll open it up to questions. Looks like we already have a few in the chat box. I'll also be checking on Facebook as we are live on Facebook as well. Uh, so the first question we have is from Phil. So, hey, Phil. He says, in relation to, to a hotel purchase, what is usually required by lenders? You know, I, I'm not going to be able to speak for a lender. I've not dealt directly with a lender on those on a hotel inspection. Um, the hotel inspections that we've been involved in have, again, looked like a more of a, you know, multifamily inspection. Um, the bigger questions that you have there, though, are the exterior surfaces. Um, a lot of the hotels are using EFs. Um, sometimes I would imagine that while investors require uh, further information about the EFs uh, and the condition of it, uh, lenders may as well. But I, I, I don't work with lenders directly very often. So it's usually the brokers who are guiding us on what uh, on what's needed. So brokers out there, what what uh, what have you seen? Um, yeah, I mean, at least, I mean, and again, I haven't been involved with uh, many hotel transactions at all, but, you know, on the multifamily space, I think, I think a big part of it is, again, similar is, is the, the appraisal is a big thing that they look for um, as, and again, it depends on the condition of the property because there's some opportunistic investors that are willing to take on a, you know, a behemoth of, of a project, whereas others are not. So as far as the condition of the property, I think the lender just wants to make sure that it appraises. Um, that's the big thing. So yeah. Um, all right. So if you guys have any questions, feel free to type away. Do you have anything that you feel like I could have asked you that is, is pertinent to the discussion today, Brad? I, I, th I think the one thing that, you know, because usually when we're when we're talking to uh, brokers, you, you guys are thinking about the about, you know, a purchase, but you all you all represent tenants. And I think one of the areas that could be helpful for the tenants, and I kind of talked a little bit about the triple net leases, but you know, if, if a, if a broker actually did an inspection on a property, you know, pre-move in, I think that there would be a big benefit to the tenants. One, they have a better understanding of what is the, what is their potential, you know, out of pocket expense for maintenance on the property. Um, secondly, it gives them a good idea of what the condition of the property is when they move in. It's almost documenting exactly what the conditions are. So they have that, that report available so that when they, when they do move out, move up, move over, um, in the property, there's something that kind of documents what the condition was when they came in. So that's an area that I think I would love to see, you know, more, you know, tenant representation inspections for, for those tenants. Uh, that would be an area I think that, that there's not a lot of brokers who are really thinking through that, but we work with a lot of tenants who are mad at the landlords upon move out because they've been, been stuck with some pretty enormous bills for, for damage or modifications that they didn't make. Yeah, that makes sense because you, you're, you're essentially certifying the condition of the property upon move-in so that if down the line, and a lot of these industrial leases are, are very long. You're talking, you know, 5, 10 in excess, sometimes even 15 years. So if for some reason the tenant moves out at the end of that term, I mean, that, that's 15 years. Could you, you're going to remember exactly what happened 15 years ago. You know, yeah. it's, it's something right. where it could be pretty beneficial from a, from a tenant's perspective to, to think about doing something like that. Yeah. And the other the other area that we've been surprised by is when we go into a space with a with a property manager or a, a building owner who has not been in that in that in their tenant space for five or 10 years and they're shocked by the condition of it. 
and you know i'm i'm an inspector so i don't you know i'm not involved in the you know daily operations uh, of property management but that's an area i don't know exactly you know what a best practice would be but you know how often would a would a building owner kind of go in and inspect a tenant space is that is that something that's even done commonly i'm just as I mentioned, I'm just amazed at how many we inspections we do where the owner's with us and they've ne they haven't seen the space for years and didn't know about modifications that have been made. Yeah, I, th I think the big thing there is in particular on the general maintenance of the property, what I've seen landlords do is instead of passing along all the expenses and, and all the responsibility to the tenant, they kind of take the charge there and then bill back you know, to the tenants because then they ensure things get done because it's very easy to pass along responsibility to the tenant and say, okay, you have to, you know, get the HVAC serviced every six months in the contract, but that may not be happening in practice. So if you can kind of take the lead on that and say, okay, well, you know, it says in your contract this, I'm going to get the contract, I'm going to pay for it, and then I'm going to bill it back to you on a quarterly basis. Therefore, you would ensure things get done and make sure that the building is maintained the way that you need it, you want it to be maintained. So yeah, um, just taking an active approach in property management, I think is really the key there. Yeah. I think so, that's good advice. Oh yeah. hundred yep. yeah, percent. Well. That, that's what I've seen successful commercial property owners do. So uh, I guess that's uh, at least with my experience. So Ron has a question. Hey, Ron, he said with the prolifer pr proliferation, that's a big one. Uh, of drone utilization for commercial inspection, <laughs> what insights can you share on the value and direction with this? So I'm going to let Neil Allen. Neil is a retired uh, U.S. Army. Uh, he was a Black Hawk pilot, and he is our licensed drone operator. I will let Neil jump in on that one. Neil, that's right in your wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely it is. I think, honestly, some of the best things that I'm seeing coming out of drones is the use of infrared technology on drones. Um, we can get on a very large roof and we can walk around with the expensive cameras, or if I've got a nice camera on a drone, I can get much more information in a very short period of time and actually better overview information because now I'm a couple hundred feet off of the roof looking at the big overall picture with an infrared camera rather than just looking at sections of it that as I'm walking around on a roof. I think that's some of the best stuff that we're seeing out of the drones. But it, even not using the, the thermal technology on that, I, I can get a very good overview to start with and cover the entire roof on very large industrial buildings in a fairly short period of time, go back and review that data to see what kind of things that I see. However, with that, there's really Drones are not going to replace walking on a roof. There are things that you're just not going to be able to see with a drone. Even with the really good cameras, you're just not going to be able to get up there, put your hands on stuff, see how things are done, see how things are attached. A drone is a, is a good accessory to use, but I don't think it's going to replace actually walking on a roof for inspectors. Yeah, and, and on that front too, drone technology is changing um, every day. I mean, we've got a new drone in our fleet from Skydio that's autonomous. You know, we put it up in the air, we mark the corners of the building, and it just goes and flies. You know, and it comes back to the point when it's done, and it's mapped everything. Software for the drones is getting better by the day. I mean, we can start using software like that now, put it into, um, you know, you can even do 3D modeling with it. You know, we, we wouldn't have a need for that. But the drones like the, the Skydio, uh, it allows us actually to fly the drone, you know, three feet off the surface 
you know, uh, basically unmanned. It's it's got cameras on it and it avoids all obstacles, so it can fly at three feet off the surface. And with a 4K camera on it, I can see defects that are half a millimeter in size. You know, it takes some time to 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 view all that footage, but what it does do is it allows us very quickly to scan those entire areas. So I think drones are going to become a bigger part of it. I, I do want to mention though that it still requires a license to use a drone in a commercial operation. There's plenty of guys with drones out there that are not licensed. You don't want them flying over your buildings. So you just need to make sure that you're dealing with a licensed pilot um, in those commercial applications. Or what are some of the fines associated with flying a drone? I mean, they're not cheap. I've, I, I remember seeing. Yeah, I, we, we know that, you know, that uh, 10 grand is, is their starting price point and it goes up from right. there depending on what you're violating, um, you know, and violation of airspace. You know, we had a situation right. in downtown Louisville last year where there were some no-fly zones that were set up. Uh, so some of the areas where we would normally be able to fly a drone, we weren't able to uh, because of uh, police activity and other things in the area that we were limited. So that's, you know, those things do change day to day, but you have to understand, you know, look, if you're around an airport, you know, even a small one like Bowman Field, you, you do have restrictions and you have to follow the FAA guidelines for being able to operate a drone in those areas. Well, certainly that's some great advice. All right. Let me check Facebook. Okay. Anyone else have any other questions uh, for Brad and Neil? All right. I think I think you guys answered all the questions that we had today. Uh, first right. off, I just I just want to thank both of you so much for stopping by. I mean, I I like I said, I've worked with you guys in the past, and you guys do a phenomenal job. Uh, and really are diligent about how you approach each and every project. So if you want to get in contact with you to learn more about what you guys do and or just had any, they had any questions about, you know, a particular commercial inspection uh, item, could you maybe provide us with how we can get in contact? You, you can reach me at blawler at hometeam.com. Uh, the cell is 502 uh, Neil is at uh, Neil, or I'm sorry, N Allen at hometeam.com. Right. And you can reach him at 844-411-TEAM. And that'll get you directly into uh, to our office. He's out in the field, and that's the easiest way to coordinate with him. But yeah, um, hometeam.com backslash Louisville is, is uh, where he'd reach us on the website. But yeah, 844-411-TEAM is the easiest phone number for us. For sure. And I will go ahead and include that in the show descriptions below. We do record this, so this will be available for you guys to rewatch at a later date as well. So, again, first off, thank you guys so much for stopping by. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's always, it's always yeah, great to see. Thanks for inviting you. us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, and it's always great to see all you guys uh, tuning in live. Uh, and I guess we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks so much. See you guys. Thank you much. Take care, guys. Bye.